Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Happy Saturday morning to you, man. I feel like it's been a trend to wake you up every morning for the last week or so. So let's just keep the ball rolling here on a Saturday morning. Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier, Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial. If you have that smart radio, also our friends out in Garden City, Kansas at KIUL. So great to have you along for the ride today. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I want to hear from you today. We have so much to get to. It's going to be a fun show. We are, just imagine this. Hold on, let me get my calendar. We are one, two, three. Three live programs before Christmas. Just to put things into perspective for you. I know. Three live programs. So we'll have some fun there. Coming up, bottom of the hour, next hour, in hour number two, we'll have Warren Martin, Kansas Strong. We're going to get an update from the energy industry, oil and natural gas. I tell you what, if you want to learn about what's going on behind the scenes and why oil prices are the way they are, why gas prices are the way they are, that is the dude to talk to. He is so knowledgeable when it comes to energy markets and oil and drilling and OPEC and all the issues going on uh, globally. It is wild to talk to this guy. He is a plethora of knowledge. So looking forward to chatting with him coming up in hour number two. Uh, but this hour, we're going to have some fun. And uh, this is we're counting down the times we can actually play this sounder, man. It's been like a six-year run doing that sounder with us on here. Wichita City Council Member Brian Fry, what's going on, brother? Hey, good morning. Thank you for the opportunity. I always love visiting with you. And you're right, Warren Martin, he is amazing. He's a man. I've never seen someone so knowledgeable on this stuff. Yep. And uh, I'm excited to chat with him because there are some... It's weird. We see oil production cuts globally, but yet our oil prices continue to go down. Yeah, I saw it for uh, gas at 258 I hadn't seen yeah. that in Kansas in a couple of years. <laughs> a couple of years, I'm yeah. I'm like, I love it. I know that's not what the oil producers want to hear. Yeah, but it's, it is election season, though. So <laughs> now, you know, oh, hey, everything's great. Everything's all fixed. Don't worry. These aren't the droids you're looking right. for. <laughs> but no, Warren's an amazing guest. I enjoy talking to him. But I enjoy coming on this show. Thank you always for the opportunity. Six years. Has it been that? I think it's been about six years. I mean, how long have you been in office? It's uh, been eight years, 10 months. Okay, so it's been about six or seven years yeah. that we've had you on the show. Yeah. And, you know, when we did the morning shows during the week, we had right. you on every Tuesday for every single week for years on end. And now, you know, at least every month, a month and a half or so on this program, yep. we get a city update. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. And I, I'm sad that you're on the way out here in the next month or so. Yeah. So uh, we had to at least, uh, you know, have the nostalgic <laughs> sounder play at least one or two more times before that. I need to get that on my playlist so just so I can play it every now and then. Every now and then. Yeah. Just be like, ah, the good old days. So uh, actually, the, the student. I have at home, the Hoosier Media Studio, I have, uh, when I left a couple years ago, Yep. The, the picture with yeah. uh, with us and I had that right on the wall yep. up there. So that's cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. We've uh, we've been doing this for a long yeah, time. It's, it's been, been a fun, fun time, always. Absolutely. Uh, how is the city council going now that uh, uh, things are wrapping up for twenty twenty three? This has been a weird year. Yeah, you know, since the election, we've not uh, slowed down. Yeah, um, we still have a lot of business that get has to get done before the end of the year. Uh, projects that we've been working on. I've got a lot in my district specifically. Uh, in fact, just recently we approved a land purchase um, to build a new police substation yeah. at 
13th and Tyler Road on sure. that campus at Northwest High. So um, a lot of stuff's been active. Um, we have a very uh, full agenda next week uh, and the next two weeks. So end of the year, there's a lot of stuff that has to get done. You guys are cramming it in. Down. Yeah. yeah, you guys are cramming it in. Now, of course, we have to talk about it. You mentioned police. First off, it's yes. good news that we are building a station because yep. that means that we are kind of sort of expanding the force. I know we've had a major shortage for a while, but at least uh, creating yeah. another substation is good news because that means we're kind of maybe on the right track. Well, so uh, it really doesn't expand the force any. Uh, expands the facilities. Sure. Uh, because right now, um, West Wichita shares... Uh, a facility with the fire department over near Central and 235. Okay. And it was really built for about 40 personnel, and there's 110 people in there. Right. And so they're on top of each other. And, again, it's a shared facility with the fire department. There's not enough parking. The traffic ingress and egress is very challenging right there. Yeah. So we've needed a new patrol station out west, further west, because of all the growth in West Wichita. And so we've been looking for several years at – the opportunity to find a piece of land. Um, we've looked at public land, private land, uh, partnership, uh, existing facilities, ground, uh, bare ground. Um, the challenge was five acres. Right. And five acres in Northwest Wichita gets very expensive, especially if you're talking private land. And then the idea of taking that private land off the tax rolls right. is another challenge. So my goal is always to find a piece of land that the city either owned or that wasn't generating tax revenue, so there sure. wasn't been a burden. And finally, we we found this uh, partnership with school district, okay. and um, it's going to be five acres. And we've been through the neighborhood notification. We've had a lot of open houses, and the negotiation with the school district. So this will be a standalone uh, facility um, for a patrol substation. It'll have the opportunity to house about 110 officers. Uh, they do not dispatch from this location okay uh, they do shift changes they bring drive in their personal cars and then get in squad cars and go out they get you know briefing notices uh uniform changes whatever there may be sure but they're not dispatching from that location they're out and about they've got beats all over west wichita that they have to operate from so uh it's really just a, a home base okay right for uh shift changes and so forth small meetings sure etc uh, but it's desperately needed, and so, um, <clears throat> and it's going to be modeled after the one that we're building out east right now. So, and we're using federal uh, dollars, uh, ARPA dollars. So again, this is timing is great because it's not taking out of our current capital plan, sure. which we had it in the capital plan, but now we can take that money and put it towards something else since we're going to be able to use federal dollars to build it. And it's going to be about ten million. Uh, we spent four hundred plus. For the land with the school district. Okay. Um, but again, we're not taking any land off the tax rolls, which is great. Sure. Uh, again, five acres generates a lot of property tax rolls. I was going to say, that's a decent so, amount of size, yeah. So, um, and hopefully we can get a groundbreaking early next year for that. So Very cool. Moving on. Now, of course, the big issue that we saw just a couple weeks ago was the fact that we didn't do the <laughs> bonuses for law enforcement yes. as well. Yep. Uh, talk about that situation. What happened? So, um, you know, we've been struggling with officer pay for some time, yes. uh, specifically ever since uh, the defund police movement a couple of years ago <laughs> and, the, and the civic unrest after George Floyd and the Memphis uh, issue. And then again, Wichita police had their own with the texting scandal and so forth. So uh, it's been a challenge to retain officers and to recruit uh, officers to law enforcement career. Uh, we have about 100 vacancies right now 
in the department um, and about 140, 130 eligible for retirement. That's well, scary. That's over a, that's almost a third of the law enforcement staff that yeah. could leave at any time. And so then we're faced with low pay, low morale, work challenged workforce environment with, you know, you never know what your day is going to be. Right. Because the way some people have attitudes about law enforcement, right? So it's been very tough to recruit and retain. And so we've been struggling with this. Um, our police contract, the FOP, is not up for renewal until the, the 25, the 24, 2024 would be the negotiation year. Sure. But because we're at such a critical point, we started having this discussion about what can we do to keep the law enforcement uh, officers that we have longer because there's still a training period. You go through the academy. It's Almost a, 20, a year, isn't it? It's a 22-week uh, yeah. academy, and then you're on the street six months with this, uh, a uh, supervising officer. Okay. So it's about a year before you're on your own. Right. Okay. Well, that takes time you yeah. know, to get somebody trained up. And if you're losing a lot of law enforcement to retirement – there's that institutional knowledge, those street smarts exactly. that you need to transfer to those rookies, <laughs> right? And if you don't have the officers that can do that because they're out there, you know, going from call to call and they don't have time to spend with officers to train them, yep. then you're putting your force at risk and you're putting your community at risk. Yeah. And so whatever we can do to try to keep these officers longer, that was the discussion we were having is 24 is the contract year. Well, what can we do in the interim? Well, we started negotiating with FOP about maybe a bonus um, to entice officers to stay longer. Concurrent with all this was the Jensen Hughes culture study that came in after the police texting scandal where we had an outside firm look over the operations. What are the challenges that we have? Where are the holes? Where do we need to shore up training, supervision, policy, etc.? Sure. They came back with a lengthy recommendation list. FOP has their own issues with some of those recommendations. Well, that was going to be part of the contract negotiation. Okay. And we said, these are the things that we're going to ask for. Um, and when I say we, city staff, right. right, and council, but these are discussions that's going to have to be part of the negotiations. FOP completely understands that, and, we, and they said, we agree. We're going to talk these things through. So the, the idea was do this $5,000 bonus. Open negotiations for 2024. Increase in pay is on the table. Jensen Hughes recommendations are on the table. This is where we're going to end up. Right. But the first step, the act of good faith and goodwill <laughs> and to help shore up the staffing issue right. and keep officers and the morale is a $5,000 bonus. No strings, at, no strings attached. We just, you're going to be Here's employed at this date. Here's your cash. This is a... You've been doing this job for the last two years. You're underpaid. There's been challenges. We recognize that. We need to be at the table. Here's how we're going to get there. Right. Everybody agreed on it. Well, then when it came to the council meeting, the mayor balked at it and said, I want to make sure that this is in writing before we award the bonus. Okay, let's go back to the table and we'll delay this. And so we've been back to the table, staff and FOP. Everyone's agreed. It's in writing. That's on the agenda for Tuesday. Okay. So it looks like everything should get approved. We'll be able to pay out the, the bonus before the end of the year. And then the 24 negotiations um, have already started. There's some agreements for 24. 
The Jensen Hughes recommendations are in there. FOP is like, yes, we get it. We're on board. And then everything's we'll laid out. And so the 24 negotiations have been decided. And then they have to finalize 25 and 26 sure. contract years. And that's what happens next year. But, okay. You know, everyone, Chief Sullivan and the FOP are working very well together, um, which has not been the case with leadership and FOP over the last couple of years. Okay. Prior to Chief Sullivan. So things are much stronger there. There's a much tighter relationship. Uh, Chief Sullivan actually came out that day uh, and did a Facebook video saying, this is not what we agreed to. (laughs) This is what the police department supports. We support the bonus. We need to make the... That was a very strong thing for him to do. Yeah. Um, and it upset some people. I can tell you that the the police officers and the FOP were like, there's never been a chief done this before. Right. So, again, they have a great working relationship, and they both want the same things. We want the best department in the country. We want the officers to have support from not only the city council and the city staff, but the community as well. Yeah. And you get there by mutual respect and everybody understanding what the challenges are and working toward the solution and not digging in their heels and saying, no, it's right. where do we agree? How do we come together and work out from there? And I think that's what we have right now. Right. So that is good news that we are moving forward with it. You're right. It did make uh, it did ruffle some feathers when I saw the video yeah. Uh, yeah. as well. But I, again, the fact that we are for the most part in unison and working together on that front is good news because you're right. I don't think that's happened for a while. So yeah. uh, we'll see it. So coming up on Tuesday, we'll see if we actually get this passed this <laughs> I time. I think so. This will be good. Wichita City Council Member Brian Fry. we got lots more to get to throughout the program today. If you have any comments, questions, we'd love to hear from you at 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We have so much to talk about today for a Saturday morning, getting you up and going for another weekend. I will say, if you're going to decorate your Christmas lights, now would be the time to do that in the near 50-degree temperatures today and tomorrow. Just throwing that out there. Might have to do that myself as well when we get done with the programs later on. Lots more coming up. Stay here. Welcome into it. It is 25 minutes past the 9 o'clock hour here. Wake up, uh, wake up, Wichita. See, I'm already getting into that groove for the morning. No, no, it's Kansas Talk right here. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. It's a Saturday morning. It is not 6 a.m. right now, which I am totally happy with. So there is that. Although, uh, being up that early, I've noticed how late the sun actually chooses to join us every morning. Mm. So there's that, too. Welcome into it. 316 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. We do have a caller on the line. So let's go ahead and go to that. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's going on, sir? How are we doing? Well, uh, I'm uh, happy that uh, the police are getting a, a bunch of uh, publicity here because, uh, unfortunately, it's bad publicity because the more police you get, the more of a police state you get. And, of course, right now, the mayor, being a communist, that just fits right into that program. I'm also glad that, that Brian Fry is leaving. Maybe he has more time now to play pickleball since he probably was one of those people that voted for it he can play it now that he's got time to do that and I know you know i've it, i've actually never played pickleball never played pickleball. Well, no. well, they, they got the public and well, the private one 
Yeah, and I mentioned that pickleball deal for Southwest Wichita when it first came around because I thought it was a lot of money being spent on, on, on a facility that didn't show the revenue return, and I still have an issue with it. But uh, at the end of the day, it was a better use of the vacant land than just vacant. Right. Hold on, Scott. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. 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 Hold on. We can't talk over each other, Scott. Hold on. All right. And and we got some other calls I want to squeeze in here before it. But uh, uh, yes, the the police are getting. And look, I mean, I understand the concern of a quote unquote police state. Totally understand that. At the same time, when we don't have enough law enforcement to handle the crime that we are seeing, um, there there's an issue there. So we got to find that happy balance. And if we see those 120 people actually retire, uh, I was talking to actually one of the police officers uh, just a few weeks ago that were in studio, and they said that if if all of those retire, if all those walked out right now, plus the 100 that were short, that they were concerned about actually even suspending the station or suspending the police force here and actually having to bring in National Guard to actually monitor the streets here in Wichita. So that's a scary thought, my friend. So, Scott, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, that's, you can only work so much overtime. Yeah, all right, because then you get burnt out, you get physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, and you do need a break. This is a very demanding job, and I've done ride-alongs with our police department, and they yeah. go from call to call to call to call. There's not a lot of rest. Well, response time starting to lag right and now, isn't it? And that's another challenge as well, uh, because they're having to go to so many calls, it takes longer to get to one, and so then the citizens get frustrated and they're wondering, "Am I getting protection? Right? Am I getting?" the the safety that I need and so yeah that's a concern I mean I know that uh, they want response time to be what right around like two minutes or something something uh, like at that? least yeah at least yeah. especially on a emergency call like that you yeah. know traffic accidents you're gonna have not as demanding of a response time unless there's right. an injury but yeah yeah that is a concern because I know that some responses were getting up to five minutes or something seven minutes which is a little concerning uh, which by the way how is the the units between the mental health expert and law enforcement going to the going to certain calls is that still working out pretty well I know we're expanding that yeah. at the county level well so ICT1 yes uh, integrated care team which is a combination uh, Wichita law enforcement officer an EMT and a mental health worker. We started with one squad doing that 40 hours a week. We're expanding that to five because it has been so wow. successful and the demand uh, has exceeded what we thought. And so we're staffing that up right now. We're going to have five squads operating 24 hours, seven days a week, rotating. Uh, so there'll always be a squad on the street. Maybe I think it's structured that there's always two on the street at any given time. Yeah. Um, certain peak hours, there may be three. But it's been very successful because it's getting people the care they need at the time they need it, right. where it doesn't require a full police effort or a full ambulance requirement. It's sometimes just connecting people to resources when they're at a time when they're the most vulnerable. Yeah. We're also embedding social workers into the police department now, and we've got that hiring underway. We're looking to hire eight people for that, where, again, for mental health calls, social crisis where it's not necessarily a law enforcement officer that is the best answer. Yeah. Someone that can, again, help people through the crisis that they're experiencing. And exactly. So different way of engaging and providing resources where it isn't always handcuffs or jail. Right? That's good news. That's that what good it news. should be. Yeah. We'll continue this conversation. We've got some other calls on the line. Don't hang up. We'll get to you in here in just a minute. It's Wichita City Council member Brian Fry. we got one more segment with him as we talk about what's going on in the city, getting geared up for 2024. Lots more to get to here on Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here.
Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. 35 minutes past the 9 o'clock hour here. Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. So great to have you along for the ride. By the way, we've been talking about it and plugging it hard. There is an opportunity for you. I'm sure you've heard this, Brian, and you're going to need to go to the event here soon. Brian Kilmead. Oh, yeah. I've That's been here right. at the Lavella. Yeah, Lavella. Yes. Brian Kilmead is uh, Teddy what's, and Booker T. Book Tour. What's the date? Sunday, December 17th, the week before Christmas. Okay. I'm going to make... I buy tickets from you? Yeah, you can get tickets from me. I will That's do right. That. There we go. So, Brian Kelmy, Teddy and Booker T. Book Tour coming up Sunday, December 17th at Lavella. Here's how you get your tickets. There are two ways you can do it. You can stop by, number one, at Athena Jewelry, 219 East Douglas. Get your $10 coupon and be able to save $10 off your price. So you, Then you can come here to the KQAM studio, 1632 South Mays Road, and you can purchase your tickets right here. Uh, normal ticket price is $40 with that coupon from Athena Jewelry. You can get it for $30, and here's what... The ticket includes your lunch at Lavella Venue. That's covered under the tickets. A copy of Brian Kilmeade's book, Teddy and Booker T, also included in the ticket at $30. And the meet and greet with Brian Kilmeade to be able to get that signed uh, for him as well. And uh, just to let you know, I got confirmation yesterday that Congressman Ron Estes will also be there and say a few words at the event too. Cool. So looking forward to that. If you cannot make it to the studio here and cannot do that in person because maybe you live somewhere else and you want to partake as well, you can now as well go online. Go to eventbrite.com and find the Brian Kilmeade Book Tour in Wichita, Kansas. Or we also have a link on our Facebook at facebook.com slash 1480kqam. You can see the link there and you can just click on the Eventbrite. You can still punch in the promo code Athena to get your $10 off your ticket online as well. Great partners with Athena Jewelry. We appreciate them very much at athenajewelry.com, 219 East Douglas Avenue. If you do it online, go to eventbrite.com or on facebook.com slash 1480kqam. Click on the event, type in the promo code Athena, and you get your $10 off online and get your tickets there. A lot of people are doing it. Uh, Obviously, you know, uh, Lavella, limited space is available. So if you want to get this, you have to get your tickets now because they are going quickly. I will go into Athena because Steve Anthemides is a good friend of mine. He's great. And I want to support him in this. So I'll go buy, I'll go get the coupon from him and get the ticket that way. Bring it on in. It's going to be great. This is going to be a fun event. This is really, yeah. I'm excited because this is really the first time that KQAM's done something this yeah, like cool. this before. So I'm super excited. Uh, as a teaser as well, it sounds like we'll be planning another book tour event with. Uh, Todd Starnes in probably April mm. as well with his new book coming out uh, in March. So we got a lot of big stuff planned for KQAM. That's awesome. It's going to be a lot Congrats. of fun. That, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Let's go back to the phones here. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Going once, going twice. All right. Give us a call back. 316-721-8255 if you want to. All right. Real quickly, I do want to mention the pickleball thing for a minute, <laughs> shall we? Because yes. Scott brought it up, so let's talk about the pickleball event. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've I, I got to admit, I we've we've poked a little fun at it because it's it has turned out. It started off as just let's find something for South part of town, right? Well, there used to be soccer fields there, and when yes. Striker uh, made its improvements, the soccer association and everything moved there. So those fields became vacant, right. dormant. What can we do with it? Started getting some ideas. And pickleball being the rage right now, there are no courts uh, from a city facility anywhere in South Wichita. Yeah. So it made sense. And it started with a smaller scale, $3 million, and then it grew to a pickleplex yeah. with multiple courts, a tournament court, locker rooms, concession, 
kind of got blown out of proportion. It, it did, and and I and I questioned: Is this going to get the return? Yeah. Um, how quick's the payback going to be? And it's way too long. It's right. never going to get that return because it's banked on tournaments coming through. Well, as you see all across the country, private industry is building pickleplexes. We got a new announcement for one at K ninety six and Oliver that's going to be ten indoor courts, yep. along with what the Y. Uh, is doing. They're converting. YMCA has pickleball courts too? They do. In fact, the West Y at Central and Ridge, they're converting some of their courts to pickleball. Um, and then See, that makes further, me sad. I like racquetball. That's, and I haven't done it in forever. But <laughs> some man. of their tennis courts they're converting too. And then wow. further west at the Northwest Y, they just announced an expansion project there where they're putting in soccer field, turf fields for soccer and pickleball courts. So you're seeing more and more people from a private standpoint, from a nonprofit standpoint, putting in pickleball courts. And so then I started, again, question the need of, is this too much? Are we overbuilding something that's never going to have the capacity to fill the demand? Return on investment. Right. Yeah. And the payback's not going to be there. So, um, And the costs have continued to escalate on mm, this project. Nice. So. Uh, no, no contractor's been secured, no building permits, nothing has been... So this could still potentially fall through. Uh, have to wait and see. Obviously, okay. there's a new council person coming in in District 4. Um, we'll have to see what happens there. But right now, it is a go unless something changes. But gotcha. we're seeing uh, in my district, there's potential for even private. Uh, in addition to the two Ys that I mentioned, Yeah. Um, there's some private interest for some pickleball complex. The like a chicken and pickle type of thing. Right. Yeah. So... And again, how much is this going to continue to be popular, right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen ebb and flow of other leisure activities from disc golf to cornhole to uh, racquetball courts. I yeah. mean, I, I can't think of the last time I heard of someone playing racquetball. And I they, still that love used racquetball. To be the, that used to be the giant rage, Well, remember? that was the thing. When I go to the Y, I still want to see a racquetball court. And when I go <laughs> well, to the which I don't get to go to the YMCA a whole lot, but when I do, that's what I always wanted to do was play racquetball. Right. That's, that was and my thing. And now those racquetball courts are aerobic dance studios. Well, there's that too. Maybe I just need to get into aerobics. <laughs> I need to work on that one. I don't know. You and Leotards is not a middle yeah, age. That, that, that might not be a good one. Might not be a good one. We won't do a Facebook Live on that video for sure. Uh, yeah, it is weird. It's uh, with that fascination. I have to admit, though, I am really, really, really glad that cornhole is starting to fade away. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> to me, that was the child's nice. version of horseshoes. You said throw it away. And throw it away. See? Yeah. yeah. Well done. Thank well, you. Well, remember yeah. we had washers and ladder ball. Yeah, uh, quarter. I mean, there's all those different games. See, right? but horseshoes. Horseshoes is yep. the manly way to play it. You have horseshoes and you have metal, and then we turned it into a a child's game of cornhole, and that's what yep. everybody wanted to play. Oh yeah, no, yeah. and there's professional leagues that are on ESPN. You can watch cornhole I don't competition. There was some NFL star I saw the other day competing who was like an expert at it. <laughs> I was like, really? Is that what you do? You retire from the NFL and then become a professional cornholer? I okay. Guess. All right. If that's what you want to do, brother, then you just do that. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm fine. First of all, and this is really important, we, we all need to thank Brian Fry for being just a wonderful, excellent city council person. I mean, that man has common sense, which which a lot of them lack this day and age. Not only common sense, but he's just a good person inside, and, he's, and he always wants to do what's best. I don't know what in the hell been going on with the city and et cetera like that, <laughs> but you can always depend on Brian Fry to be just a level-headed, 
good man. So. Amen to that. Thank and, you. Thank you, Frederick. Yes. That, that means a lot. Uh, thank you very much. You touched me. Thank you. Well, good, good. And second of all, uh, are you going to um, Andy? Yes. Tracy and you are going to have a morning program starting at <laughs> six and to nine, right? I I am not doing the morning show. I am I am co-hosting with her right now as I continue to train her, and then until she feels comfortable with our computers, with our system, with our board, with our stuff. So I have been in in the mornings to help train her, but I will not be there full time. I I will I struggle already with that four a.m. wake up call every day, uh, just because of my long hours. I mean, I'm our, my show obviously is from four to five. I usually don't get out of here till about six in the afternoon during the day, so I don't need a 14-hour day on my slate. But it has been fun working with her in the mornings as I get her trained up. She will transition to start taking it over solely here in the next week. Well, I was, I was wondering because I saw there is a house trailer there on the back studios, and I have your <laughs> radio station. I thought... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I kind of thought that's where you stayed at night. You know what? With the, yeah, the last week or so, I might as well just stay right in there, just to, instead of driving back and forth. So yeah, no, it's been fun. I enjoy Tracy. She's going to be an amazing new morning host. For those that don't know, Tracy, uh, Tracy Cassidy, the uh, she was on a morning show for a very long time here in the Wichita area at another radio station, uh, very popular, and uh, she is back in radio now, and we're excited to have her taking over our morning show. Uh, for Wake Up Wichita from 6 to 8 a.m. And yes, I it, it is fun bantering back and forth with her and co-hosting it with her, but that is, that is going to be short-lived. <laughs> okay, and getting back to Brian Fry, gosh darn it, I hope he runs for something else. Uh, I mean, he's just a wonderful, wonderful person, and I've always felt uh, always felt so confident whenever I watched the city council and, see, and I would see him up there. It made me feel good inside. Uh, so you, anyway, I'll... Nope. Go ahead. You've made my morning, Frederick. Thank you, sir. And there's Hello. nothing. There's nothing immediately for me, uh, election-wise. I'm gonna sit out for a couple of years and see what happens. But I'm gonna continue to stay involved in Wichita. Uh, I love this community too much to not be a volunteer, to not give time, to not um, participate. I think it's important that more people do that. Um, you have a say in your city, and we need to have that voice and that representation. And so I'm not going away. Beautiful, beautiful. Anyway, and you you are a wagon wheel man or something like that also. I always uh, wagon master. Hear you talk about. Yeah. That's right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love it. Frederick, anyway, I appreciate it, my friend. Real quickly, did you have a great Thanksgiving? You uh you indulge in all the turkey? Um yes. Yes. I had a I had well, okay. Since you're talking about the police department, <laughs> I mean I have to be this is what happened. My son was on his way to Oklahoma City to put three of his children on an airplane. And right outside of Edmond, Oklahoma, his car caught on fire. Oh, my. And oh, and anyway, he got the luggage out and started like that. But what I want to say is that an Edmond police officer or possibly even a sheriff's officer loaded his family up in his patrol car nice. and drove them to Edmond and made certain that they are at a place that they could um, were safe and they could eat and et cetera like that. So Fantastic. whatever people say about the police department, I mean, this, this, this father said, wow, because, yeah. you know, being stranded out on the highway and this, um, this police or sheriff's officer went out of his way to make certain that my family got to a safe place, which is really wonderful. Yeah. How yeah. amazing. I love it. That's so good to hear. What a nice warming story. That's yeah. what Thanksgiving's all about, my friend. Yeah. So I love it. Frederick, I appreciate it very much, my friend. We'll talk to you again here real soon. 
Take care, sir. All right. Always a pleasure right there. Good stuff. Brian, we got just a couple of minutes here before we have to let let you go. But, uh, yeah, so talk about, I mean, it's obviously this has been a good eight-year run here in the city council. And like you said, with with not being in there, being uh, being termed out. Um, what is what is the next plan? What's uh, I know, mean, first off, and just kind of a review in in your city council for the last few years. Yeah, you know, it's been an honor and a privilege to serve Wichita. Um, prior to being on council, I did eight years on the park board and the advisory board, and longtime community volunteer. But serving at the council level was just a whole nother level. And my goal always was to leave it better than the way I found it. Right to mm-hmm. maximize the return on taxpayer dollars, making sure we were getting the best bang for the buck and building infrastructure that we can be proud of from our parks to our public safety facilities to our roads right and so i believe i've done that i can always do better right more better is a phrase i like to use right um but truly um we've accomplished a lot in the eight years that i've been on the council i think district five has grown i think the city has grown um one of the things i'm most proud of is our aquatics master program where we rebuilt our pools and put in some water playgrounds that are all state-of-the-art and very creative and very fun for families. Um, the license plate program, where you see Wichita Pride on cars throughout the community. Yeah. Uh, and then just public safety improvements, you know, between police and fire and, and our public works, our roads. Um, our community is a great community, and I think people, when they move away, they realize it and they want to get back. Yeah. You hear it from first-timers visitors they're like Wichita's so nice the people the facilities and we don't take enough pride in that sometimes and I think restoring that pride in our community is something that has been a goal uh, again leave it better than the way I found it yep. and we've got a lot of great things happening in district 5 from the police substation um, we're looking site for a new fire station right now in northwest Wichita because of the growth sure um, we're rebuilding Westlink Library, which is one of the most popular libraries in the city. We're expanding it. And then some improvements at a couple of parks, in addition to continual road stuff. So um, I feel really good about where I'm leaving the district. It's in good hands with JV, and I hope he gets on your show soon because yeah. I think he's a tremendous man. And But um, on a whole, I think the city is in a great place to continue to grow and, and be that jewel, that great American city that – is a destination for families who want to raise their children here and develop a business, uh, create a life. Um, it's been a great life for me and my family, and that's why I did this. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So, um, what I do next, there's no elected office in the immediate future. I'm going to continue to volunteer and continue to serve on boards and you know, get involved in uh, party politics to make sure that we're getting good candidates for these offices and that – sure. Uh, we got people who believe in low taxes and free enterprise and limited government Yep. and let the free market do what it does best. And that's what it's all about. That's that's my core. That's my belief. And so you'll continue to hear and see me out there, but maybe just not at the council bench. You'll be time. around. Yeah. You'll be around. Well, good. Well, it's been fun because since you took uh, took the seat, that was right at the time that I moved to Wichita here and started the radio program. Yeah. So we've been we've been kind of riding through this together That's for the whole uh, about six, seven, eight years. That's so true. Well, you've done amazing, and congratulations on your stuff. And uh, I've always enjoyed listening to you. I listen to you even when I'm not on the show. So well, I appreciate that. It's fun. We'll get you on probably at least one more time before you take off. Absolutely. And, and we'll have some fun. And I'll so. see you at the Brian Kilmeade event. That we'll see you at the Brian Kilmeade event. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. we got some calls on the line. Stay there. We'll get to you when we come back a little bit later. Here, you got to take a break. Wrapping up hour number one. It is Candace Tuck right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay right here.
Six minutes to the top of the hour here. Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. So great to have you with us here. Let's go back to the phones. we got a couple minutes here before we wrap up the hour. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, fight the power, Andy. Hey, fight the power, Sean. What's happening, brother? Uh, a lot of cold air. Hey, did you like that snowstorm we got? I loved that snowstorm. So I was looking at some of the reports on how much snow we got, and it was the most we had seen since like the 1950s or something in a single day, which was amazing. I loved it. I was outside. We built the snowman. I I had a snowball fight with my little voice of reason. And because, again, she was born in Colorado, but she moved out here by the time uh, that she was you know old enough to start remembering things. So we had a snowball fight, and she may or may not have gotten her first taste of a snowball in the face. So Well, good, Andy. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know what? It was absolutely yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's no. all you did, man. That's right. No, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, we. I mean, I mean, I had to give her the full on experience. So we totally went and did the. Uh... In the face, in the face. <laughs> so yeah, we had a lot of fun that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. So, did you uh, microwave that turkey? I, <laughs> I, I worked on microwaving the turkey. That's right. I tell you what, hang on the line, Sean. I want to carry you over till the next hour because uh, we're out of time here. But I microwaved. I did not microwave the turkey. Mrs. Voice of Reason made an amazing turkey. It was fantastic. We had a lot of fun with it. And she actually made she made homemade, like from natural. She made homemade cranberry juice, cranberry bread, and cranberry sauce all from scratch with homemade cranberry. It was fantastic and she had never done that before so that was definitely an experience as well we'll talk some more about that when we come back hang on the line hour number two right around the corner we'll have warren martin candace strong coming up at the bottom of next hour as well so looking forward to chatting with him so much to get to plus your phone calls and some stuff going on in the state did you hear about the native american boy that was forced to cut his hair at school say what yeah we'll talk about that when we come back right around the corner as well it's candace talk right here on kqam stay here Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. Six minutes past the 10 o'clock hour here. It is Candace Talk right here. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4. If you have that smart radio on the HD side of things and the FM side of things, if you want to listen to us in high definition, you can do that. Also, our friends out in Garden City, Candace at KIUL. So wonderful to have you with us. Good morning to you. It's a Saturday. It is a beautiful Saturday out there as well. A little bit overcast right now, but it's going to clear up and 50 degrees really throughout the entire weekend. If you are going to decorate for your outdoor Christmas festivities, this would be the weekend to do it. Just kind of throwing that out there. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. If you want to jump on, we'd love to hear from you. Bottom of this hour, Warren Martin, Kansas Strong. He'll be joining us on the show. Looking forward to chatting with him. Like I said, he is. If you want to get the real scoop of what's going on in the industry of oil, natural gas, commodities, and so much more, then that is the guy to talk to. So uh, really looking forward to 
that interview in just a little bit. All right, there's a few things I want to touch on. Obviously, we have a legislative session of 2024 coming up right around the corner. We will start gearing up and talking to legislators uh, in the next few weeks to kick off our legislative session in January. Uh, Hold on, let me grab my slide across here. So again, we have three weeks left. Before the Christmas celebration, which means we're getting ready to wrap up 2023. We will be having some fun conversations, but we have some big lineups coming up the next few weeks. Tracy Mann, congressman from the 1st District, will be joining us next Saturday on this program. On Monday for the Voice of Reasons program, by the way, just FYI, we do have Congressman Ron Estes. He will be joining us uh, as we are getting the updates from where we're at in Washington, D.C. right now with some of those issues uh, right now with the continuing resolution and immigration policy and some other things that we're working on now. Chris Kobach, Attorney General for the State of Kansas, will also be joining us next Saturday, too, to talk about the latest legal battles going on in the state of Kansas. So we have a full lineup the next few weeks to get you set for the holidays. You're not going to miss any of that stuff. And then as we get into the beginning of January, it is full out focus on legislative session because that's just what we do here on this program. There are a couple things going on right now, and I have to I have to throw this out there because I, as you know, the American Civil Liberties Union, not the most conservative organization out there. I am not necessarily a big fan of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, as they really try to create lawsuits sometimes that are completely unnecessary, extremely woke. They focus on the identity politics. They focus on collectivism and collective bargaining and all this other garbage. I'm not a fan of a lot of what they do. However... I have to admit that I do stand with them on this issue because I think this is absolutely absurd. And hopefully the school district can change their policy like now, but the damage is already done. And I think the fact that this, here's the thing. There is a difference between laws that are in the books and rules that are on the books and basic common sense. And sometimes for whatever reason, there are people that just do not practice something called common sense. And I don't understand why. If you have not heard the headline, big story that happened throughout this week, that an eight-year-old boy, a Native American eight-year-old boy, attends the Girard Public School District here in the state of Kansas. He is a member, a actual tribal card-holding member of the Wyandotte Nation, attends the annual tribal gatherings that are geared towards children over the summer times. He is obviously heavily within the culture and was forced to cut his hair at the school district because of the school's policy where boys cannot have hair below their shoulders. Now, I want to question just the basic premise of that rule in the first place because, to me, that's just kind of stupid. Now, I I know, very triggering for some. They may not agree with me on that, but here's the the way that I view this. This is kind of like the homeowners association argument. If you tell me how I have to do my hair, I'm going to come in with dreadlocks every single day just to stick it to you because you're not going to tell me how to live my life and do my own thing. That's the rebellious part of me coming out. It's like the homeowners association. You can't, you got to clean up your front yard. Well, guess what? There's going to be a toilet flower pot right in my front yard and I'm going to sit in it every morning just so you can get the public appearance because I don't care. It's my property. I'll do what I want to with it. I will be respectful. I will be respectful of others. But if they start coming down on me and nitpicking what to do with my private property, then guess what you're going to experience? That's my mindset. I get very angry with this kind of stuff because there's a fine line between private property and respect for other people. And I want to respect other people and the people around me to not damage their property values, for example, but yet don't tell me what to do with mine. So there is that fine line. But for a boy's hair now, okay, hippie, you cut his damn hair. Okay. He's a Native American. And there are studies that have been done 
I can't remember, I can't reference them right now, so don't quote me on this, on exactly how they're done. But there are studies that are done not only for the spiritual beliefs of Native Americans for the boys to have long hair, but it shows virility, it shows the strength of men in the culture, and it used to in every culture until just, I don't know, about a thousand years ago before like, oh, we need to start cutting our hair. But guys used to, back in the day, all used to have long hair because it showed strength, it showed the masculinity, it showed the testosterone, it showed the strength, it showed the uh, the, the potency, uh, it showed that they were uh, good childbearing guys or whatever to be able to to produce with. I mean, that that was the way the culture was. And obviously, uh, European culture has changed from that to where we cut our hairs and then would wear wigs in the 1700s when we started this nation. But then it was still the strength of how long those wigs were was the prestige that you had in society and the elitism that you had in society. So we could go down the history of hairstyles in the day and then all of a sudden we got to this point to where the only classy look that you apparently could have is if you had a short hairstyle with that was a comb over and that was the professional manly looking way to function in society with a suit and tie and a comb over and okay that's fine I did that obviously for years but now I've kind of changed my tone where anybody that sees me or knows me now I have a braided mohawk just because I'm not going to do the. to me I just have to be a little bit different I don't want to do the exact same thing everybody else is doing because I don't want to be just go with the flow just blending in Uh, I have to be my uniqueness I have to express myself in unique ways and that's totally fine you know, you can do whatever you want to. But this takes it to another level. First off, as an eight-year-old boy, what school policy has a dress code saying that what you have to do with your hair? That's the first question that I have. Why would a school district do that? Even if a kid has dreadlocks, why not? I have no problem. Andy, it's dirty and unprofessional and unhealthy. Well, you know what? That is the choice of the child. And it's not us for us to judge on that. I don't understand why a school district at all would have that unless it's the, well, you should be prim and proper, wear the comb over, and you should just, you know, just go into the status quo, and you should be absorbed into the culture and do what everybody else is doing, which it seems like maybe it's just an old dress code that's been there forever. But let's just say, even regardless of whether that should be in there or not, the fact that it was, and then a child is in there, an eight-year-old boy that is Native American that has long hair, is in there, and they say, you need to cut your hair. The parents reach out to the school district and say, well, based on our culture as a member, a tribal card-carrying member of the Wyandotte Nation and as a Native American, it is our culture to have long hair. And in fact, their culture, it's the best that I understand it, is that you only cut the hair during a time of mourning is a, if a member of the family passes away. And that is a sign of mourning and a sign of uh, grieving. And that's the sign of you know cutting that off. I've also seen studies. And again, don't quote me on this, but I've seen studies that in many Native American tribes, when they've never cut their hair like that, that if you do cut their hair as an adult when it's still long, that they actually believe that they lose their intuition. And this goes way back to, you know, a thousand plus years ago when we're still living out on the land and trying to, you know, kill buffalo for uh, for dinner kind of thing. But there was some type of report, I want to say, that was done that they had cut the hair of Native Americans. And they couldn't track any longer. They couldn't hunt any longer. Like, they lost their way. They, they lost their ability to do some of those things, at least in their belief. So whether you believe that or not, you know, there is a very strong spiritual connection to having long hair for Native Americans. So if the parents came to the school and to the teacher that was saying you need to cut your hair and said, hey, we have the paperwork, the documentation to prove that we're part of this nation. This is our culture. This is what we believe in. He needs to keep his long hair Basic common sense, to me at least, would say, 
you know, okay, we're going to make that exception because of the fact that this is part of his culture. But that's not what happened. They were threatening to kick this kid out of the school to the where the point, again, the, the deal's already done, to where now apparently the mother cut the hair of the student in fear of him not being able to go to school. So it's already done. And now the kid's distraught. And the lawsuit's from the ACLU. The superintendent from the school district, by the way, has said that they are going to review the policy at the school at the December meeting. Okay, fine. But the damage is already done. And I have to remind people, why in the world do we lack such basic common sense to say, you know what, I don't know why we have this dress code policy in here of telling boys that they can't have their hair below their shoulders. Uh, I, whatever, Whenever it was put in there in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, whenever it was, because that was the prim and proper thing to do or else you're not part of society because you need to conform just like everybody else and do the same thing everybody else is doing to be nice and professional. And if you don't do it this way, then you're not professional. Uh, I, I don't care for that. But even if it was in there, where's the common sense for people to say, you know, different culture, different beliefs, different spiritual system. They need to have long hair because of that tradition. Okay, not a big deal. It shouldn't even be just, you know, what does Joe Pag say? Pass the potatoes. Should be a basic conversation. Okay, not a big deal. Cool. Everything's fine. Go about your day. You proved us the documentation. You're part of the tribe. You're part of the belief system. You're, you're part of the nation. Do your thing. Why did it get to this point? Drives me nuts. Because me, the, the, to me, it, I get angry with this sort of stuff on why we have to impose certain societal norms of that like if you don't do exactly like this and conform like everybody else then you're part of the problem i don't like that belief system especially with something as stupid as hair and i think it's upsetting me because i grew up with i kind of had to do that as well i was not allowed to gel my hair not allowed to put a hat on when i grew up you know my parents were very strict about that not allowed to put gel in your hair you're going to lose your damn hair not allowed to put a hat on you're going to lose your hair because of that so you know what i gel my hair and i wear my hat not as very often anymore but i do gel my hair because why now i've grown out a mohawk and braided it because to hell with you i'm going to do what i want to with my own life so there i, I that we need more of that rebellious mindset i think we need more of that rebellious uh ideals in our system because well we shouldn't have to go into this conformity type of mindset. And I know public schools are like that. I know that's what we do. That's the conforming, learning how to conform. And we need societal structure, but we also need common sense. 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phones here. Sean, we'll get to you in just a minute. Hang tight. I want to get some other calls here. Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Rod. Ron, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing swell. Andy, hey, uh... I'm so glad to hear you talk about your hair, and I have long hair, too, and a beard. Good for you. I think you. we're both contrarians. <laughs> Good for you. Yes, you know what? I I can't grow my beard long. I tried it, and it looked horrible. So I keep it pretty short, but I enjoy I actually, and I, I feel sad here, I actually cut my hair a couple weeks ago. It's not as long because my top of my hair, my mohawk top of my hair, was down past my shoulders, and I have never in my entire life had it that long before. So I actually cut it, so my braid is much shorter now. Well, I would like to remind you of a couple of things. <clears throat> Gaslighting. Uh, during the 80s, you probably don't remember President Reagan. He was, in my opinion, the greatest president of the 20th century. Mm. He said, government is not the solution to the problem, government is the problem, yeah. 
And then we have this tone-deaf secretary saying uh, 180 degrees opposite of what Reagan said, the government is here to help you. Yeah. And it, I got to thinking about uh, Psalm 14.1 in the Bible. That makes about as much sense as saying the Bible says there is no God. Mm. It does say that, but in context, it says the fool in his heart has said there is no God. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It is uh, the the government is not there to save us. And when we, I mean, we see study after study that the more people that start to look to the government to solve whatever issues are going on, start turning away from looking towards a higher power, whether the higher power to fix it for them or the higher power to give them the strength to fix it themselves or give them the ability and open up that opportunity for them to change things that we need to do it ourselves. But the more we look towards the government to do that, the more we lose that faith. And that's a very scary thing. Amen to that, brother. Yeah, I love it. I wanted wanted to thank you for that turkey. I took it to my uh, community center, La Familia, Mm. And the director, Dr. Carla Lee, had brought a 30-pounder. So at the end of the potluck, there was just a carcass. So that little 7.7-pound turkey wouldn't have fed half of them. So she threw it in the freezer, and we're going to have it for Christmas. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you doing that and helping out the community. That's what it's all about right there, my friend. So God bless you. Merry Christmas to you, and thank you so much for that. Thank you, and I'll keep listening. You keep listening. I appreciate that very much, as always. Great stuff. And enjoy that long hair, my friend. I, yeah, I'm trying to get accustomed to it. I had to cut mine because it was so long, and I've never I've never had it beyond just like the comb-over spiky look in my entire life until the last three years when I finally grew it out. And then it was down past my shoulders from the top of my head, from my mohawk. The sides of my head were shaved. Oh, yeah. Pretty crazy. So I had to cut mine. It's not quite as long. Still there. Not quite as long. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Your thoughts. Is it right for the school district to make the Native American boy actually cut his hair to conform into the school to go against his Native American spiritual beliefs and their custom beliefs as their tribe? Was that the right thing to do, or did we just lack some common sense in this conversation? Uh, we'll do some more of that when we come back here. Stay right here at Scandis Talk, right here at Wichita's Big Talk or KQAM. My world is filled with tears and you. And as I look around So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over 26 minutes past the hour so Alright, not to complain here, but where's where's my metal Christmas, man? Where's my rock and roll Christmas songs? I gotta change up this rotation just a little bit I want to hear Ozzy Osbourne singing Winter Wonderland, which, by the way, yes, there is a legitimate song like that with Ozzy Osbourne and Jessica Simpson. Crazy combo, but why the heck not, right? I want to hear Twisted Sisters sing Jingle Bells. <laughs> yeah, my listeners. Uh, Andy, what are you doing? Welcome into it. 316-721-8255 on the Maxwell Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. All right, got to get your thoughts here. Let's go to Sean. Sean, good morning, sir. All right, should we have cut the actual hair of the Native American boy? that or change the policy. No, you're okay with cutting the hair, though. I mean, I'm all about changing the policy. I think that's a ridiculous policy that never should have been there in the first place. But if we are, 
if it is going to be there, then maybe we should use some common sense to be like, well, you know what? This kid needs an exception because of the fact that he actually is from a Native American tribe where they need long hair. So, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm tired of this. It's making an exception for somebody because of this or that. You know, we got rules for a reason, just like we have laws, and that's for to maintain good order. You know, and there has to be standards, societal standards when it comes to appearance. So, I mean, you can, when you're an adult, you can free to do what you want, and nothing against the eight-year-old boy, but he's not going to be in elementary school forever, hopefully. He does all his life to wear hair all the way down to his ankles if he wants. So the school should have changed the policy. Something should have been done first instead of rushing to, uh, you know, make the kid get his hair cut. You know, if it had to go to court, I guess it had to go to court, and he could have worn his hair the way it is and, and see how things come out in the end. Yeah, well, I agree. But I agree. In the the school, now, the school right says there. they're going to be changing the or the, discussing the policy in their meeting in, de, in December, but yeah, it's kind of a day late and dollar short because the mom already cut her hair, uh, cut the boy's hair in fear of him getting kicked out of school before they made the policy change, which uh, is unfortunate. So the hair is already cut, but I don't think she should have had to do that. Well, I got a lot more to say about this. We're, we can talk about it more later because they're in the time, but I will say this much. You know, they change the policy, his hair is going to grow back. And he can grow it, you know, as long as he wants. You know, there, there's a dress code in Congress that doesn't allow for uh, the wearing of religious headgear. Like, you don't see any Jew, Jewish members of Congress wearing yarmulkes. But they made an exception for uh, a member of the uh, Jihad Squad. What's her name? Ilhan you know, Omar. Because she's Muslim. And so she gets to wear a turban on her head. Next thing you know, you got the, you got what's his name? You got Fetterman from Pennsylvania. You know, he shows up to work in Congress wearing a sweatsuit for yeah. crying out loud, man. Well, you're I mean, you're right. There needs to be structure there. I, I do, however, see the ability for exemptions for religious purposes. I mean, yeah, a Jewish person should be able to wear a yarmulke. And yeah, you know, Muslims should be able to wear, uh, you know, a headdress or the turban or whatever they want to on there. I, I believe in religious exemptions, but you're right. There needs to be a standard of professionalism like suit and tie. You can't be an elected member of Congress and show up in shorts and a hoodie like he does every day. And oh, by the way, on The View yesterday, as well because he's apparently too good to wear suits so i get where you're coming from chum i appreciate that we're going to take a break here on canvas talk stay right here on kqam it's wichita's number one conservative talk radio host this is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here with Wichita's Big Talker KQA. I'm always happy to have you along for the ride with us. As usual, really happy to have this guy back in studio. Been a little bit since we've chatted with you. You guys have been so busy out there. Kansas Talk or Kansas Strong. Kansas Talk. Kansas Talk. That's, you. that's Kansas right. Strong's that's me. Kansas Strong on Kansas Talk right here. Warren you. Martin, how are you, my friend? Doing great. It's great to be with you, Andy. Yeah, it's always good. I always love to get an update from you, especially the perfect time now because uh, about every quarter we see kind of the different seasons and the different uh, mindset, I guess, when it comes to travelers, how much mm-hmm. oil, gas we use, and 
what the markets are doing because right now we just don't know what they're doing right now. Right, and you're not alone. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people in the industry, a lot of people that are specialists in following the price, they're kind of confused by what's going on uh, in the oil market right now because uh, you got some pretty standard historical markers that when they happen, you know what's going to happen, and those sure. things aren't happening. Yeah, um, and so we do got several things that are taking place right now. One, oil is a global market. You have to keep that in mind. The price is always set by a global market. Yep. It's always set by what's going on throughout the entire world, not just here in the United States. Sure. Two, it always comes down to supply and demand. How much oil is there? How many people are using it? Yeah. It always comes down to those two things. Those are pretty standard. So then you start impacting that. And right now, uh, one of the big impacts on that was COVID. COVID brought down our supply. Uh, it forced a lot of uh, companies out of business. It forced a lot of wells to be shut in. And then as we came back, uh, consumption began to rise. People began to go out and produce. They began to produce that oil, and it started coming back up. Uh, that production was catching up. The price started coming down, and then you had OPEC Plus stepped in. And OPEC Plus stepped in. That's 14 nations yep. led by Saudi Arabia. They did some voluntary cuts, start out with a million barrels a day, then they continued it. Just yet. Yesterday announced that they're going to cut by another 2 million barrels. And when they made that announcement, and historically, when they make an announcement like that, the oil price goes up. Yeah, there's the, less supply. Yeah. The oil markets actually went down uh, yesterday. And that shows you how confused people are about where uh, the oil is going to go. Because while Saudi Arabia, Russia leading the pack, and all of OPEC plus nations are reducing oil, you got some OPEC plus nations that are refusing to go along with it. And they're mm -hmm. going to produce what they're going to produce anyway. Then you've got about a dozen other nations around the world, the United States being one of those, that have upped their production that has compensated for the cuts that Saudi Arabia has made, which shows how Saudi Arabia and OPEC Plus may be losing control over controlling the price of oil somewhat. Is that a good thing? I think it's a great thing yeah, I was uh, say. because most of the countries that are in OPEC plus, they don't have to answer to their people. Right. They're, you know, uh, to their uh, tyrannical uh, societies that uh, or they're they answer to oligarchy and they don't have to answer to their people. So that changes how you impact that oil and gas price. Yeah. And I think Saudi Arabia recognizes that because they've opened the door for Brazil to join uh, in with them at OPEC plus, which is largest oil producer in south america okay. and to join in and so it kind of looks like they're trying to expand to be able to have that full control back that they used to have over the oil and gas price sure but right now it comes down to supply and demand right now oil prices are going down uh they're kind of maintaining uh right around that uh, 73 74 mark they're kind of 70 and 80 i've kind of yeah, seen yeah yeah and they're kind of maintaining that level which is a good place for the consumer good place it's lower than where we were last year winter prices should be lower than they were last year they're going to go Go up a little bit as as we go through the winter and things get colder, it's consumption's going to go up and they're going to go up a little bit. But then they're kind of predicted to drop back off in 2024. Sure. Um, and so really, the prices are looking really good for the consumer right now, going through the winter months. Two big exceptions to that. One is if the meteorologists are wrong, and hey, let's face it, the weathermen are never wrong, right? Yeah, never, never, never at all. Never I'd wrong. like to have my job and be wrong if, that much. If yeah. the meteorologists are wrong, and we do have a really cold winter, which right now they're predicting a warmer than average winter, that could impact the supply-demand ratio, and prices could go up more than we expect them to. Okay. What's not foreseen, meteorologists are pointing to a warmer winter than we've normally had in the past. Sure. So that's number one. Number two, and this one could be more significant or be nothing at all, and that is the Suez Canal. 
Interesting. And okay. so uh, every Israeli conflict, which Israel really doesn't produce oil, they do have a natural gas field that supplies uh, Europe, sure. but they don't really produce oil. But it's really significant because every Israeli conflict in the historical past has expanded beyond Israel to include mm-hmm. other nations within uh, that area, in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean area. That's involved in the industry. That is involved in the industry and has ended up shutting down the Suez Canal or slowing things through the Suez Canal. On average, about one-third of all oil in the world goes through the Suez Canal. Wow. And so if you impact the Suez Canal, then that makes a huge impact on oil and gas prices and being able to get product to market. Add to that what's going on in Panama. And in Panama, there is a drought that's taking place right now. So Panama has limited the number of vessels that can go through the Panama Canal, which means that a lot of those vessels are choosing the longer route to go through the Suez Canal. Sure. So if the Suez Canal were to be shut down or were to be hampered in any way, that would significantly impact the supply-demand equation and not being able to get oil where it needs to be in the world. Man. And, that, and that could raise prices. So those two things are kind of the caveats. It's kind of the big ones. Yeah, I was going to ask you throughout the, the program today about uh, how Israel is being affected here because you're right, they don't produce a whole lot, but it's that default. It's kind of the unintended consequences that we always see that's affecting the other ones. And it's not even the production necessarily. It's just the transport to get them out into the market and go where they're supposed to be going. Right. It's supply chain. Yeah. Seems like we've been talking about supply that. Supply chain. The, what yeah. a concept. So, yeah. you know, and even though they're not part of supply chain, what happens to them and their and where they are in relation to the Suez Canal, it could impact that in a very significant way. We yeah. haven't seen that yet. When uh, the Israeli conflict broke out, you saw oil prices shoot up because that's what everybody feared. Well, that was expected. That yeah. was expected. And yet it hasn't come to fruition. And hopefully it won't. Uh, but if it does, that could be a change in what I just said as far as our forecast going forward. Interesting. And then you said the drought down to the Panama area. Uh, I mean, weather conditions. I always talk about the ag industry being affected by by the droughts and different ag or different weather patterns. But uh, just supply chain issues have that problem too. Yeah. So Panama Canal. A lot of people, you know, we in our minds we have this idea they just cut a ditch across the <laughs> continent and you just you know drive a ship through the ditch across the continent. But well, yeah. actually, the Panama Canal. When you come in on one side, you go through a series of locks that raise you up to a lake that's on top of a mountain and then you go through the lake and then it drops you down locks on the other side till you go back to ocean level and back out so the drought in the mountains has limited the amount of water that they have and how many vessels they can float up those locks to get them over the mountain and onto the other side so that's where the drought has impacted it even though you got oceans on both sides there's no way to get the water up there unless mother nature provides it massive water slides yeah massive water slides yeah (laughs) so with the decrease in production from opec which you like you said there what's the intention first before we go further why are they trying to cut production there are they trying to get the barrels of uh, price of barrel of oil up? Are they trying to manipulate the market that way or just not wanting to produce as much? Like, what's the purpose? Surely here? Saudi Arabia would never try and yeah, manipulate like the that. market. Yeah. yeah, and that was the whole purpose OPEC Plus was formed. Hope The whole purpose, because it was a global market and you had so many actors that were taking place in that. Right. Saudi Arabia came up with the idea of putting together OPEC Plus because that was a way that they could control the market. And they did for many years. They controlled what the oil and yeah. gas price was going to be because they had so many countries involved in it that produced so much of the world's oil, they could control it. Maybe not control it, but they could significantly impact it. Exactly. And so, uh, yes, their supply cuts are an effort to keep the price of oil. They want to keep the price of oil above $80 a barrel. They would love to see it above $100 a barrel. Right. Uh, And the main reason is because Saudi Arabia, they don't answer to their people. They don't have to answer their people. They are run by uh, royalty, and all they care about is padding the royalties 
uh, efforts and what they want to do. Yep. And so it's very dangerous for the United States where we have politicians that have to, well, I think they're supposed to answer to the people. Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. And, and answer to the people. Uh, you know, certainly if the oil prices got too far out of control, they would be answering to the people That's over right. it. Um, and so that changes the dynamic in how you approach that. Saudi Arabia, Russia, they want the oil price as high as they possibly can because they need the money to fund the war in Ukraine. So a lot of the players that are in OPEC, all they care about is boosting that price as high as they possibly can so that they can pad their own pockets. So Russia, you mentioned Russia there, and they were producing a lot. I remember when the Ukrainian event started that they were producing massive amounts of oil and like stockpiling it. And that was the big concern is that they, right. when this got done, they were going to flood the market with this Russian oil. They were going to dominate the market. And they were going to have all this. Is that what they're still planning? Or are they selling it to OPEC as part of this? This deal here. So Saudi Arabia was put under several sanctions when they went into Ukraine. And so, yes, they were stockpiling a lot of that oil with the goal of, you know, when once we get to the point, we're going to flood the market with this because of these sanctions, we'll just stockpile as much as we can. Right. And so in a lot of places, Russia has been able to, has had to use secondary measures to be able to sell their oil, things to get around those sanctions. So it's limited their ability to really just flood the market with oil in any way, shape or form. Sure. Um, but at the same time, that they were stockpiling that oil, that's when really consumers came back. We started traveling a lot more. The price went up. We went up to $100 a barrel uh, mm -hmm. right there at that level. Went up to $100 a barrel. And Russia was like, we don't have to sell the oil now because right. what we're able to sell uh, with our with our connections, well, at the price that it is, we're fine. Sure. And, and so Russia has voluntarily agreed to cut back on some of theirs, just like Saudi Arabia, because the price is where they want it to be. Right. They came in with the cuts yesterday because it started getting lower than they wanted it to be, and they're trying to boost <laughs> it back up. And like I said, historically, that normally it would works. have done it, yeah. but this time it didn't. And yeah. the oil price continued going down and dropped after they made those announcements. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how OPEC Plus responds to that. We already seen one response trying to bring Brazil into the fold uh, with them. But how do they respond going forward, especially into the next quarter? It's going to be interesting. And I like the fact, like you said, I like to see the quote unquote dismantling of a centralized control over something like that. OPEC being the focus on it on this time, because when, like you said, if they're cutting it back to artificially raise those prices, other nations are like, yeah, we're just going to start producing our own and be a little bit more independent. So we don't have to rely on you as much, which, like you said, the U.S. announced that we're going to increase our production. Kind of an odd tactic after the Biden administration completed uh, depleted our oil reserves and said we want to cut back and buy more from OPEC. What led to that conversation? We're going to the fall season where we don't have as much of a demand. We're not traveling quite as much right now. So why are we increasing our production now after all these years of saying we're not going to? Because that's what business does. Uh, <laughs> and business is not the government, and the business doesn't answer to the government here. Uh, they have to work through regulations with the government, but they don't answer to the government. The Biden administration, when they came in, they kind of did all the things they could do to cripple oil right off the bat. They closed federal lands, then they reversed, and they allowed a company to come in and, and drill on public lands. Mm -hmm. They uh, slowed the, per the permitting process. They increased environmental regulations. And so they went and they did everything it could now we've adjusted yeah. and oil companies are run by independent individuals or, co or corporations here in the united states whose goal is to answer to their shareholders or answer to the investors that invest in their companies and so they are doing what they do they're going out trying to increase and grow their companies and they're doing a great job yeah. in fact the only thing that's holding us back here in kansas right now 
is being able to find enough workers to get into the oil field. Really? And so that is our big struggle. That is our big challenge right now is getting enough workers into the oil field. And an effort to that, Kansas Strong has just launched a new job board. We're just now starting yesterday, started getting our first jobs up on it. I love it. And uh, we're going to be pr- uh, promoting all the uh, jobs throughout Kansas that are in the uh, oil and gas industry. Right now we have the highest pay that we've ever had in our industry. And so if you're looking for a career change, you're looking for something to do over the winter months to help pay for the Christmas bills, maybe it's time to take a look at a job in the oil and gas industry. What type of, just out of curiosity, what type of jobs are there available in that type of industry? You, you name it, it's there. And so, uh, you know, what everybody thinks about is they think about the deckhands that are out working on an oil rig that are throwing chain and, and yeah. hauling pipe and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what everybody thinks. And so they hit your oil and gas job. They're like, I'm out. Right. Because uh, that's not them. Uh, but that's just one very small aspect of the industry. Uh, we've got everything from people who work out on the rigs, people who drive trucks, people who are welders, mechanics that are working in all these different uh, aspects of the industry, but then it goes into accounting, goes into bookkeepers, goes into lawyers, uh, and uh, oil and gas legal firms, and uh, um, and then it goes all the way into what's uh, known as a landman, which is basically a real estate agent uh, that works in the oil and gas industry. Wow! And so we've got just about any job that you can think of that you're interested in. Right it in probably industry. applies in this industry in some way. That's incredible. You know, we have 11,414 people here in Kansas that work in the industry right now directly for oil companies. But the, those oil companies provide services that, that expand out into trucking industry, service industries, and those types of things to where we have over 100,000 jobs in Kansas that are directly dependent upon the oil and gas industry right now. It's a big so industry. It's a big industry. It's a huge economic driver. Uh, depending on which year you look at, we're usually the second or third overall leading economic driver in the state of Kansas when you consider all of the jobs that are dependent upon the industry. And you've talked about it before, but a lot of the businesses here in Kansas especially are smaller rigs, like smaller family-owned kind of operations, aren't they? The average oil company in Kansas uh, has an average oil company in Kansas has three employees. Three. So yes, they're small. (laughs) There's almost 2,000 oil producers in the state of Kansas. There are, there's only one major oil company, and it's one of the minor majors, if if that makes sense. It's a minor major oil company. There's only one of those that operates and produces oil in Kansas. All the rest of them are small independent producers that are producing here in Kansas. So we are definitely a locally owned, locally driven, locally supportive, and locally environmentally conscious uh, industry here in the state of Kansas. Yeah, you just mentioned it too. I wanted to touch on that with the environmental side because it always gets the bad rep that the oil is, you know, raping the earth of its resources and how terrible it is and how you guys are ruining the environment and all the uh, the fracking that's going on and putting stuff into the water systems. And uh, I've been to some of the t- displays before I actually got into radio. I tried to apply at Halliburton and mm-hmm. actually tried to work. And I've been to a few of their presentations on how this process actually works. They were doing the fracking for natural gas uh, in that situation. But it's a, it's a very clean process if you actually understand what's going on. Yeah, it's not. You know, we, everyone goes and uh, watches some of the oil movies that, you know, Hollywood puts <laughs> Al out. Gore, yeah. yeah and, and they look at that and say, man, those guys are horrible. <laughs> you know, we are a highly technical, highly specialized industry that has come so far. In fact, the United States leads all other nations in the world in reducing emissions. Yeah. We have reduced our CO2 emissions more than any other country on Earth. Our methane emissions continually reduce year after year after year. We have uh, uh, have transformed the industry to make it highly technical, 
highly responsive to environmental concerns to really clean it up. In fact, we did a focus group with Kansas Strong where we brought in a bunch of people that have lived in Kansas all of their life. Sure. And we one of the questions we ask them is, is, what do you think about the oil and gas industry? And they're like, I don't even think it's really in Kansas anymore. <laughs> and so we ask them, why do you think it's not in Kansas anymore? And it's like when I was a kid, I used to see the trucks and the oil rigs everywhere and, and, and uh, sure. you know, tanks and, and stuff like that all over the place. And now I don't really see anything. Well, that's because we've cleaned everything up. Right. We've cleaned up our trucks. We've cleaned up our sites. We've cleaned up the oil rigs. It's where when we go down the road, you hardly even notice us. And to some degree, that's made us invisible to the public around us. But it shows that we are not the environmental eyesore that we used to be. Right. And we don't have the environmental impact that we used to have. When in fact, the matter is, is we do a better job producing oil than any other nation on Earth. Yeah. If you truly care about the environment, the world is going to continue using oil and gas. It is going to do it. If you care about the environment at all, you want it produced in the United States. Yeah, exactly. We do a better job taking care of the environment than any other nation. What a concept. Yeah, I just look back a couple of years ago when Trump actually had us be essentially energy independent, weren't we? I mean, we weren't buying yep. any from oil, but we were actually exporting for a while, I so, think. So we're always buying. We're always, we're always buying. buying. Okay. And, and so what what he made us do is make by making us energy independent, we were – uh, producing enough oil that we didn't have to import if we didn't want to. Now, we're always importing, mainly because all of our oil production is in the Midwest states and mm-hmm. all of our refineries and everything are in the Midwest states, or the vast majority of them. Sure. And most of our consumption is on the coasts, gotcha. on the, 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 the left and the it's right coast. to ship it in from the other side. And yeah. so well, there are trade agreements that are in place where the impact cargo shipments, so if you load up a tanker full of oil in the Gulf of Mexico, take it around Florida and take it up to the New England states for them to utilize that, it is significantly more expensive to do that than it is to ship that over to some other nation or somewhere else in the world and import it from Russia. So even when Trump made us, quote, energy independent, sure. meaning that we were producing more than we were using, right? Um, even when that happened, uh, we were still importing oil for Russia because it's cheaper to import it from Russia and then export ours out to another country somewhere else. Interesting. That is fascinating. And that has a lot about. to do with the, the uh, uh, treaty negotiations that took place and the establishment of our country and what it cost to ship around Florida up to New England. we got just a couple of minutes left here. We're talking with Warren Martin with Candace Strong, CandaceStrong.com, which you can check out the website. And like you said, some of the jobs that are available within the industry here in the region as well, which is really neat. But going into the winter season here in the last few minutes, uh, give kind of a prediction. I know things, like you said, are kind of up in the air right now, uh, depending on how long this conflict goes in Israel, depending on what goes on with Russia and the Ukraine. But are we going to see the barrels of oil price still float between that 70 to $80, do you think, throughout most of the winter time, Or could we see it drop or increase some? I think we'll continue to see it drop a little bit. Uh, I think we still got a ways to drop before it kind of bottoms out. Uh, and you get start getting some really cold snaps coming in, consumption starts going up then you'll see it start to return uh don't really right now with all the predictors that i see out there i don't really see it through winter going much above 80 dollars a barrel unless there is a significant uh world event that takes place like we've talked about yeah well you never know but those those things never happen yeah those things never happen happen at all yeah Yeah. not at all well hopefully we don't see 600 dollars cubic foot of uh, natural gas as well with a cold natural gas is looking really good right now uh for the winter it is looking really good with our supply demand ratio that we have right now we're down you know uh uh 
we're down significantly less than we were last winter, um, and it's continuing to drop. That's expected to go back up just a little bit too, and then drop below the three dollar mark uh, next year, okay. uh, based on current supply and demand. Again, anything can impact that and change the supply demand ratio. But with what we're seeing in the markets right now, both oil and gas through the winter, we should see a little bump and rise in price. Uh, but still staying where, well below where we were last year. Sure. And then as we pull out of the winter, see a, a somewhat of a drop after that. How big is natural gas in Kansas? How big is that industry compared to oil? Well, uh, Hugenson Field is the largest uh, natural gas field in the world. Um, and okay. so uh, the it's not as significant in Kansas uh, predominantly because just where the price of natural gas is, you have to produce a lot of natural gas for it to really have a major financial impact. And so uh, when the natural gas prices were up, uh, when we had that cold snap a few years ago, you know, it became more of a front burner kind of scenario. It's always been kind of a back burner in a lot of places here in Kansas. It became much more of a front burner. And so right now, it's uh, where the prices are right now. It's where it's worth producing and it's worthwhile to put it on the market. You can make money off of it. Sure. If it drops too much below that, then we start kind of putting less investment into it to help continue to develop it. So uh, natural gas is a significant part of Kansas, but it just really is not as significant as the oil industry is because the oil industry really impacts um, a lot more of our uh, producers. There it is. That's Warren Martin, Kansas Strong, KansasStrong.com. Interesting information. I'm telling you, if you want to know more about the oil and natural gas industry, the energy market, what's going on here in the state of Kansas, so much information. He has a plethora of knowledge. We always love having him on the program. Appreciate that very much again with Warren Martin. We'll get him back on again soon. That does it for us today, man. We're done for another episode of Kansas Talk. Funny how it flies right on by so quickly. Coming up, we have our syndicated version of The Voice of Reason. Tune into that here on both KQAM and KIUL on Sunday from 5 to 7. We have Congressman Ron Estes coming up on Monday's episode of The Voice of Reason and back at it again next Saturday, 9 to 11, with Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy putting up those Christmas lights. I'll be putting up mine here in just a little bit as well. We'll see you on the radio. Have a great weekend.